You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Alright, welcome into the newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have recent University of Wisconsin sports residency graduate, Andrew Broderick. Andrew, welcome on in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chase. I appreciate it. Alright, Andrew, for those who are listening that don't know you, give a little bit of background about yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what got you into PT in the first place, and what got you into sports PT specifically. So I'm from a really small town by the name of Baxter, Iowa. It's a town of about a thousand people. And I eventually went on to do my undergraduate degree at the University of Iowa. And I stayed there for my physical therapy degree. So after that, I went on to complete my sports physical therapy residency at the University of Wisconsin. Um, And it ultimately was a really, really good fit for me. So kind of what drove me into physical therapy. So I guess, you know, kind of like a lot of sports PTs, I had some injuries growing up. So I had a big, I had chronic shoulder dislocator, um, so I had a pretty big labral tear. Um, I had a non-contact ACL, MCL, and lateral meniscus injury, and both of those, you know, required surgery and extensive amounts of PT. And so the PT that I was working with, um, Chris Hanfelt in Des Moines, Iowa, he he made a huge difference not only for my knee rehab, but he played a really big role in my life at the time as a kid. And, and so looking back, it's something that I wanted to be able to give back um, and kind of make a difference in other you know young athletes' lives as well to try and get them back to a level of performance that they were at. Specifically for UW's residency. So I later, I didn't do college sports. I late, I was still you know staying competitive. I was doing triathlons. And so, but one day when I started PT school, I was playing some pickup basketball with some buddies and I kind of had a pivot shift moment. I thought I retore my ACL. Um, but what I ended up doing was I developed an osteochondral defect on my lateral femoral condyle. They went in and they did a microfracture technique, which is a technique where they, they drill, um, into your subchondral bone to try and stimulate healing. Um, at the time I was going through triathlons and, um, I was told that I, I needed to avoid any impact or any, any running. And it kind of sparked a fire in me. Um, so I started diving into all of the running bio- biomechanic literature that I, could, that I could find. So I came across the names of like Irene Davis, Chris Powers, Rich Willie, and ultimately Brian Heiderscheidt over at the University of Wisconsin. And so I had done some research and I realized that if you were to you know, get accepted into the UW Health Sports Residency, you would have an opportunity for research involvement with Badger Athletic Performance um, and to work with Brian Heidershot a little bit. And so for me, you know, with the ACL injury background and the running biomechanic interest, um, that was a that was a pretty good fit for me. So that's kind of what led me down into the sports residency track. So now that you've um, kind of finished with the residency um, and you're kind of like a, a few days out, a couple weeks out now, um, what are some challenges that you did not expect to face before you went into residency? So like at the start of the residency, something you did not expect to encounter? 
I think I kind of underestimated the time commitment. Um, going through a sports residency is pretty demanding. Um, you're involved in there's a lot of there's a lot of things pulling at you for your time. So you're involved in clinical care. Um, you know, it's around 32 hours a week. You know, 32 to 40 hours a week, and then you have sports coverage from anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week, and then research and didactic, which kind of varies on the week, but anywhere from you know four to 14 or 15 hours a week. Um, so it gets kind of demanding and I think I was prepared, um, to a degree, but it was definitely challenging. And that's something that kind of working on maintaining a work-life balance, um, and dealing with kind of the time demands of residency was, was something that was tough for me. And so you mentioned you were involved in, you wanted to do research with running biomechanics with specifically with the UW residency program. So tell us a little bit about the involvement of your research there with the running biomechanics lab. Yeah. So it was, um, so it's under, um, Dr. Brian Heinrichshay, but our main mentor. So Amy Bednarik was my co-resident. So she was awesome. And it was really, really nice to be able to go through that process with her because kind of learning curve for both of us. Um, our mentors were Dan Cobian and Keith Nur, and they were awesome. And so a lot of their work focuses on quadriceps performance following ACL reconstruction, um, different neuromuscular aspects, of quadriceps performance and then ultimately late stage basically running and jumping biomechanics and so a lot of our research involvement looked at quadriceps performance and then those running and jumping biomechanical variables awesome um you know a lot of i think a lot of residency programs that i've seen and heard about or talked to people about you know they have research projects that they have to do but i didn't know that university of wisconsin was so in-depth with one particular you know area I know a lot of residency programs, it's like you kind of pick up where the last resident, you know, left off or you can start something else completely. But it's interesting that, you know, UWs is so running specific. Well, they definitely give you, there's a number of options. Um, so there's a number of people in the lab and they're all working on different projects. So for me, my background was I had an interest, like a specific interest in ACL injuries, osteochondral injuries and running biomechanics. And so for me, when I was, when I got into the residency, and discussing with Dr. Heiderscheid, that's kind of the route that I wanted to go down. But if you have a specific interest, they can help guide it, you know, at least to a, a certain degree with lower extremity biomechanics. Um, now that you've completed the residency, uh, do you have any advice for like people that are pursuing sports residency or even just want to get into sports PET in general? Um, now that you've had, you know, a year in the quote unquote in industry? Yeah, so I think for someone trying to go into a sports residency, I think one of the biggest things to do is to try and, and, and get involved um, through the American Academy of Sports PT. So there's a number of ways to get involved um, through the Mobilize app, um, through special interest groups. Um, I'm involved in the knee special interest group. I have a particular interest in knee-related injuries. Um, there's the college and pro sports mentoring or the College of Pro Sports SIG, but they have a mentoring aspect of it so that you can get paired up with someone who is currently working in college and pro sports um, or has underwent a residency or fellowship. And it can kind of be just an, an informal mentoring process. Um, so right now I currently work with three PT students who want to go down into the sports residency track. Um, and so we meet roughly about one time per month on a video visit, but we're kind of constantly... Um, either emailing or texting back and forth with smaller stuff if we can answer it through the phone.
Um, and I think from my perspective, it's something that I wish I would have had prior to residency because it, it can kind of help guide a little bit of the process if you haven't had to do it before. Right. And I, I recently joined um, the Mobilize app and it's been great um, just seeing everyone else's like, you know, they sometimes post case studies and it's a great way to learn. Um, but that's something I've asked other people is like, you know, what, what are some things to look for in mentorship? And, you know, the Mobilize app kind of get like hand feeds you or, you know, hand picks for you a mentor that works in whatever special, you know, area of interest that you may have, whether it be, like you said, knee or um, working in college or pro, at the college or pro level. One question I asked you when we first started talking is, uh, where do you, now that you've um, had more experience and stuff, where is the line between rehab and sports specific training? Because um, as a new grad, that's something that's very challenging. It's like, where do I draw the line between this is the end of my role versus this is where a patient needs to be, you know, working with a position coach on the field or on the court doing sports specific, you know, handling or cutting and jumping and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think for me, as I reflect and when you, when you asked me that, uh, I think my answer now is, is different than it would have been two years ago. So right now I would argue that there's really not a clear cut line um, between you know where rehab ends and sport specific training begins, I think there's a way that it can be blended from the start. Uh, there's a lot of work you know Meredith to put and Dusty Grooms with brain changes following ACL reconstruction that I have I, I have a particular interest in. But I think you can apply these concepts really to any ligamentous injury, really any injury in general. Um, you know, for you know for example, post ACL reconstruction within the first week, you know you typically are able to do one straight leg raise. And so an example is this last summer, I had a football player who tore his ACL and he goes and he has surgery. Um, and so now he's doing a straight leg raise. So my instructions are like, I'm going to throw you the ball. He's sitting down. I throw him the ball. If you catch it on the left, you do a straight leg raise and you raise it to the left. If you catch the ball on the right, you do a straight leg raise and then you raise it to the right. Um, and so Right there, you know, there's a way that you can start to incorporate some of these sports-specific tasks or at least get some neurocognitive challenge and get your brain thinking a little bit. Um, and then maybe even more importantly, you know, he had a football in his hands and he's on the sideline at practice. And so keeping him involved was super important. Um, I think probably a little bit more specifically, you're thinking later on. Um, and so I think, again, it was kind of a blend. So I, at the University of Wisconsin, they have a class called Spectrum. It's a return to sport class, and it's ran by Craig Lee, John Kipp, Melissa Ball. They're they're awesome clinicians, and they've really helped me with my understanding of kind of that progression back into sport. Um, so really, there's a couple different phases. There's three phases, and you're blending strength, speed, movement, resistance, and ultimately you know change of direction with neurocognitive challenge. Um, but as they progress through these programs and their me mechanics look okay and their strength assessment, you know, through progressive testing, so their strength assessment, their hop assessment, they're looking okay. You can gradually start to add in pieces of, you know, restricted to unrestricted practice, whether it be like offensive first, because you know where you're going and then defensive, you know, non-contact, then contact type of an idea. Um, and I think it's a way that as long as you're, there's like a thought process behind it and you're communicating that to the head coach, the strength and conditioning coach, sports specific coach, everyone is on kind of the same page with where the athlete's at and that open communication is there. I think it goes pretty well. Right. And I think both your answers are actually really great because um, your first example of the football player doing the straight leg raises, 
that's something that's so easy to, you know, keep an athlete on track, especially since sometimes, you know, the beginning stages of rehab are not always, you know, the most sexy, um, but just keeping them engaged and kind of reminding them why they're there. Um, but then also your answer about how, um, you know, those later stages of rehab when they're getting ready to return to competition and return to practice is um, I couldn't have asked for a better answer on that. So you went through a residency, um, but for those that, you know, are still in school or, you know, are in a clinic and are not doing a residency, um, what's a piece of advice that you would have for them to stay evidence-based? Because it's so easy to kind of fall, um, like, you know, fall into the pit of just doing the same thing over and over. So what's a way that you kind of try to stay evidence-based to make sure you're giving the best possible treatment and, you know, evaluations for your patients? Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's tough. Um, I definitely, you know, fortunate to go through a residency where at UW there, there's just tons of information that kind of feed in your resources. I, I think a quote, my friend Drew Lucas, who now works over at Duke Athletics, he would always say kind of going through residency and those resources is like drinking water from a fire hose. Um, so now like after I've drank through the fire hose, I'm trying to sift through some of that information. And, but, you know, outside of a residency, getting involved, like I said, uh, through the the mobilized app and those SIGs, they're really great ways to stay connected with other sports PTs. Not only are potentially conducting that research, um, but they're, they're discussing threads on the most current research, maybe a latest article that's kind of sifting through um, or circulating through. So I think that's super, super neat. For me, like I said, I have an interest in the knee special interest group. And so I have a really fun time learning from, from Brandon Schmidt, Kelsey Whitman, Chris Lefevre, or Olivia Rowland, everyone who's involved with the knee group. You know, they're constantly, whether it be a therapeutic exercise Thursday or the, their most recent kind of hamstring um, angle of inclination. There's tons of good things that come through it. And it's stuff that, you know, it's, it'd be tough to find that on your own, right? So someone's kind of found it and they're producing it to the group and then there's a discussion. So I think that's a super good way. Yeah, I think the drinking through a fire hose is, I mean, we I heard that expression all throughout PT school. Um, and so for me, it's like, I don't even know where to start when looking for research. I'm yeah. like, I guess I can start at the knee and I start, you know, you can always go to pub, use reliable old PubMed, but it's like, there's so much things to look at. It's like, what do I even look for if, you know, if it's, if it's for a specific patient, trying to find a study that's, you know, relatable and applicable to that patient is really tough. So, um, you know, mobilize has been, a, you know, the, in the short time that I've been a member, it's been something that's been really useful to me throughout that time. Another piece that I think, you know, is not maybe is looked at as much, but Twitter is a super good resource too. So I'm not as active as maybe I could be, but there's, you know, there's tons of SIGs and there's tons of other leaders and, and researchers and, and you know, the sports PT world that have Twitters and they like sharing their information. And so there's tons of good threads and conversations that go down on, on Twitter as well. Um, so I think that's also a good, good resource. Yeah. I think this is, you are like, I think almost every person that I've had on, I've contacted through Twitter and everyone uses Twitter as like a great way to share resources and um, Twitter's free and it's, you know, easy way to kind of, you know, f you know, follow, follow people that are, have, you know, are strong and specialized in areas of interest. And you can always just follow along the conversations. I always like to bookmark them to read for later, um, you know, just kind of as casual reading to kind of brush up on knowledge. For those that might be in PT school, um, what's a good way for them to get involved in sports? Because PT school sends you out as a generalist. Um, you can work in pretty much any setting, but I don't think they, um, 
gear PT students, graduating PT students to sports. So what's one way that a PT student can get involved early on in sports if they know for sure that's the track they want to follow? That's a good question. I agree. It's tough because you come out as a generalist and most um, programs maybe don't have as many ties to sports residencies or maybe their university doesn't host a sports residency. So it's kind of tough to, to make those connections. Um, so I think, you know, I guess coming back to it, you know, getting involved through the Mobilize and those apps uh, or through the app um, and through the American Academy of Sports PT can get connected earlier. Um, I do think that if you are interested in a sports PT residency, trying to reach out um, to program directors or program coordinators kind of as early as you can. And like once you know that you want to go that route is, is super helpful. Um, lots of times if, you know, when you're trying to go down the sports residency track, I advise, you know, find your why. Um, so it's not just trying to find or trying to get the SES behind your name, but you try and find your reasoning and your why behind pursuing a sports residency because it's, it's no easy task, um, especially, you know, residency and fellowship, like they're very time demanding. Um, and so if you don't have a solid why, I feel like it's kind of tough to go down that route. But once you find your why, um, so say, you know, it was lower extremity biomechanics and, getting those individuals back to running, you know, for example, um, and kind of have your why and you want to be able to give that information back. So then trying to find programs that align with your why. For me, the University of Wisconsin was the best fit, um, but if you have a different area of interest, you know, maybe there's other, pro you know, there's tons of great programs out there and maybe they're a little bit better of a fit for you. So finding your why and then trying to do your research and find what do the residencies you know, that you'd be interested offer, does it align with your why? And then try and fill in the pieces in between. Um, so it gets kind of tough. You know, you're, you're busy as a PT student and maybe there's not as many opportunities that are just kind of given to you. It's something I didn't do, but looking back, I think would have been really helpful for me going down into the sports track. It would have been to kind of shadow an athletic trainer. So I don't have an athletic training background. Um, that's not what I did my undergrad in. Um, but I think that would have been really helpful as I went down into the sports track to kind of get the idea of what the difference is um, in terms of you know acute care management with the athletic training staff and, and the ideas and concepts they can bring to the table versus you know, maybe a little bit more of a longer rehab um, with a PT. And just having exposure to that and, and being able to witness and experience kind of the critical thinking skills that an athletic trainer brings in an acute care situation is, is really powerful. Um, so that getting you know experience there prior to pursuing the sports residency track would have been helpful for me. Right. And I think athletic trainer coverage is, is something that's been, for me, um, you know, invaluable because I get to see one, how to work well with, you know, other sports people on the sports medicine team, but also two, kind of get to bounce ideas off of them of how they go about treatment. And even um, for me, like, I also don't have an athletic training background, but seeing how they manage acute care in, or, or acute injuries, um, because that's something that you don't learn in PT school. So it's been great to kind of bounce ideas off and learn from, you know, athletic trainers. All right, I got two more questions for you. Now that you've graduated from the residency, kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like for a University of Wisconsin sports resident. Yeah, I would say it kind of varies week to week, but generally Monday through Wednesday is your your heavy clinic days. Um, so you're in the clinic Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Thursday consists of 
primarily didactic work and um, research involvement in the mornings into the early afternoon. So anywhere, it kind of, it would vary week to week, but anywhere from 7 a.m. Um, until about 2.30 is when the didactic and research would occur. And then after that, you head out to the local high schools um, to for athletic training room involvement, and then you're covering sports with the athletic trainer. Um, so at Wisconsin, uh, I, I was paired with Matt Uftring, and he was amazing. Um, he's a he's really well-respected athletic trainer, and I learned so much from him. So it was a really fun experience for me. Um, so it would be Thursday. The hours would kind of vary pending week to week and what, what um, sport was in season. And then Friday, he would be in the clinic from about 7 until you know, around 1 to 30 to 2, and then you'd head out and you would do um, the athletic training room and, and cover sports until it would, again, it would vary, but if it's football around 10, 1030 to 11. So with, you know, there's, a, you know, soccer tournaments and other tournaments on Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Awesome. I like to kind of, you know, hear different people's perspectives because every residency is structured a little bit different. Um, so just hearing how people's, you know, experiences were through their residency, because like you said, it's a lot more time consuming than you think. And so kind of, hearing, you know, how it's structured and how much time actually goes into it is really important. Because um, you can read it off the website, I'm sure. But, you know, hearing it firsthand from someone that actually experienced it is, is probably a little bit better. And one more fun, kind of more lighthearted question. Um, what is the most memorable moment from a game or in the clinic that you had while at UW? I'm trying to think it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific moment. I think for me, it, it really gave insight to the full kind of comprehensive aspect of going through an injury for an athlete. So at UW Health, um, you communicate, you know, obviously you communicate really heavily with the surgeons. You're working one-on-one -on -one with the athletic trainers. Um, you're communicating with the strength coaches, the head coaches, um, other PT staff. So for me, I think kind of a memory that I have or maybe an experience is I, it was a volleyball um, play. There was a volleyball injury, ended up being an ACL injury. And so um, I was able to experience the ACL injury and on, you know, on the court. And then we were working together with prehab um, prior to surgery, kind of getting her in the best spot that we, that we could prior to going in. I was able to work with her immediately after surgery. And then I was able to work with her for the next six, seven months post-surgery. So I think it was a neat experience for me to be able to see kind of from time of injury until starting to go through that return to sport process. Um, it was just a good, as I reflect, that was a pretty good experience for me. And I think that's something that a residency is able to provide to you. It kind of gives you different pieces to the puzzle. Right. And I think kind of that's why we love to do sports is because you get to see, you know, from moment zero all the way until getting them back onto the court. And that's, there's no more fulfilling like experience than that. Um, I think that's why we all do PT in general, just to help people, you know, we love to see people get better. But for sports, it's like you can be there from like the minute they hurt their hurt, hurt themselves all the way until you know they're back on the field competing at a high level. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. You gave a lot of great answers and a lot of great insight about residencies and you know staying evidence based and just a lot of great insight for those who are interested in sports PT. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? Any social media or anything like that? Yeah, you can. Uh, I have a LinkedIn and Twitter are the two primary modes of communication that I use for um, for PT related information. So I'd be happy to connect with anybody on there if you have any questions about 
EW um, Health and their sports residency at the University of Wisconsin or just kind of sports PT in general. All right. And on that note, thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. And thanks to our guest, Andrew Broder. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guest, or want to hear more episodes from great future ones, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you are listening.